who's watching but the waif with a big old smile on her face. She she's seeing, she's got the cartridge, inserting it into the Super Nintendo. She thinks, ah, your Super Beatdown Party '98 is getting ruined. <laughs> Madness has had its day, and there's just one bloke in the back going. Yeah. While his mate just sort of quietly looks at his watch. Edmund has got this great look on his face. It's, it looks like he's still suffering from a hangover from the Red Wedding. It's been the hangover from hell. And he's just like, oh, it's oh. been three seasons and I still can't get rid of this hangover. Hello and welcome to Shark Liver Oil. I'm Matt. I'm Dave, hello. And today we are discussing um, episode six of series six. Of Game of Thrones, Blood of My Blood is the oh, title. Ah, oh, ah, oh, oh. sorry. Were yeah. they not going for a Dracula swing on that one? Because I feel, <laughs> I feel like that was the right thing to do at that point. If the word blood appears twice in a four-word phrase, I think you are required to follow it with a laugh that sounds like it just came out of a creaked open crypt. Ah, ah, ah. Now, as ever, uh, this is a podcast where we um, are, at the moment, discussing the Game of Thrones TV series from the point of view of two people who've read all the Game of Thrones books so far. So if you haven't read um, the books uh, and are worried about sort of, you don't want to hear how sort of what's happened in those books may be um, affecting what's going to happen in the series, then, you know, this is your spoiler warning. Um, at, towards the end, we'll also uh, play with the music and then do our um, bunker full of spoilers tour, where we look at some <laughs> of the favourite fan theories from uh, the, our audience and also around the internet. So that's on the way too. Dave particularly enjoys that bit. I do particularly enjoy that bit because, well, because we get to because because I think human beings are really, really, really fascinating, and when you get into the depths of fan theories, you really get to see how some people think. <laughs> Some people point. indeed believe everybody's a mermaid, so you know. <laughs> I was going to say, point of fact, Varys is a mermaid theory, which is one of our favourites. We discussed that at the end of last week's podcast. If you want to go back and have a listen to that, but this week it is uh, episode six, so it's called Blood of My Blood. It starts off. Ah, um, uh, ah, uh, sorry. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> it's, sorry. It starts off basically where exactly where we left off with uh, the door. So Bran and Mira are on the run. Mira's dragging Bran away from um, the tree uh, where they've been hiding out for a while. Um, Bran's visions are still continuing. Bran's kind of like, seems like he's basically doing a mass download of all the information. So yes, yeah, getting... all the fucking plot is what he's, he's, what he's getting there. Did you, What this was a glorious moment, wasn't it? It's like these like flash scenes where you're like, I've waited six books to see that. I've waited so long to see that. I've waited so Like this, like these little... It was like, I, t- I tell you what it was like, and here's a reference that uh, is probably only good if you grew up our age and in England. But do you remember there were TV series like, um, how was it How To? And yeah. like and a few that like, they, somebody did a kids cookery show with this in it as well. It's brilliant. And they just, they didn't really want to do all of the complicated technical stuff they were telling you how to do in the, t- in the, in the show. So they would put it at hyper fast speed over the credits <laughs> and they'd say record this on your video player and then play it back and pause it but play it back slowly and you'll get frame by frame sort of thing and it was it was that but with the whole backstory for a song of ice and fire and i just didn't know what to do with myself i was like wait 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 wait, wait. pause 
Yeah, it did feel like it needed to have at the beginning just a voiceover going, previously on A Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. <laughs> or, or more to the point, previously and in the future and currently <laughs> on A Song of Ice and Fire. It was everything. It was amazing. It was like the whole story universe in, uh, in a load of like flash frames. Yeah, so we see a lot of the things we've seen before. So the uh, the Night King sort of vision, uh, the uh, brand being pushed out of the window, a bit of hard home, all sorts of that kind of stuff. There are a few things that we haven't seen before, uh, as you alluded to there. Uh, one is this, um, there's a bit where young Ned says, where's my sister? And then it, you get this sudden flash of sort of, it looks like some blood and some, like, someone's, some un, you can't really see who it is, but there's basically blood and what looks like Ned's hand there, so we don't know Ooh. what that is. Yeah. Um, obviously, we could speculate. And also we get this really interesting sequence with the Mad King Ares, so he's shouting, burn them all. You see them um, sort of messing around with wildfire that obviously we saw oh. in uh, Blackwater as well. And uh, what appears to be Jamie advancing on him and stabbing him in the back as well, which we've yeah. heard about before but never seen. Yeah, so... I don't know what your feeling was about this, right? Because on the one hand, this is all backstory that we've, we've heard referred to, but actually mm. the, the Mad King stuff has only really been spoken about in the first series in the TV series, isn't it? Like, whereas throughout mm. the book we keep hearing people, you know, you just flash back once in a while and then somebody gets cooked in his armour, or, you know, you flash back and you just hear something else, something about how Ares was so awful, you know, that he, he kind of instigated this essentially 20-year civil war, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you felt like that was a good way of dealing, like this splash, this like massive download was a good way of dealing with it or not. Because I feel like there's a lot of plot there that you could have made more out of. And mm. instead we followed Arya walking around the place forever, you know? Yeah, it it, it made me think, especially with the Ares stuff, oh, show me more. I want to see a bit more yeah. of this guy. Um, yeah. It was definitely a bit of a tease like that. And I hope we do see more of him. As we go along, maybe it's sort of a, a, a longer run flashback, but we'll we'll, we'll find out as we go. Mm. Um, we cut then actually to Sam um, and Gilly arriving at Hornhill, home of the Tarleys, and probably one of the best looking castles that we've seen in the series. Yeah, bloody hell, yeah. I mean, that's some that is some take every building in Tuscany, shake them all together, and form them into one big building. Is what that is. <laughs> yeah, it is amazing, yeah. isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, and it's it's still warm and um, sort of summery down there as well. Feels like a nice getaway from the wall, doesn't it? You could do that. Should be the place where the Night's Watch go for a bit of R and R. I'd love it the if reach. they did that. That would be amazing. It's like Black <laughs> Lads on, on tour. tour, Black Brothers on tour. Here we go. <laughs> but no, me. all they can afford is Molestown, the poor yeah. bastards. I know. Anyway, I know. Um, yeah. And so, so we meet uh, the first few members of his family, who all appear very nice. There's his mum, who's uh, very nice. His his sister, who seems a little, little dopey but nice. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a nice introduction. You're thinking, oh, what's he so, what's he so worried about? But obviously, we <laughs> still the shadow of shadow of dad hanging over it all as well. I was going to say that. Were you really thinking that? Because what I was thinking the whole way through was. Well, obviously, this is really touching and really lovely, and I was literally just waiting for his father, to, his father's fist, to appear in frame and just <laughs> knock all his teeth out or something, you know? Because yeah. that's the Game of Thrones way of doing it. Are you enjoying it? Are you feeling good about what's happening to your characters? Is it good? Is it good? Bam! <laughs> yeah, Martin out from under the table. <laughs> yeah, he loves a bit of it, doesn't he, George? 
Yeah. We then cut to the High Sparrow and Tommen having a chat. They're basically preparing for Marjorie's Walk of Atonement. Um, and Tommen's saying, oh, have we got to? And the High Sparrow's saying, yeah, we've got to. And they're going, okay, well, if we've got to. And then um, Tommen goes in to speak to Marjorie. And Marjorie's, um, what's going on here? So she is, uh, the last time we saw her, she was very quite sort of quietly defiant. Yeah. Now she seems all in with the High Sparrow. Yep, yeah, I was, uh, you know, my shows of charity were just that. They were just shows in the past. I want to be a better person and live a better life. He's shown me the way to do it. Are we, um, are we on board with this? Do we think it's genuine or is there something else going on? Well, if it is genuine, um, either Natalie Dormer, the actress, or um, or Marjorie, at least, are incapable of looking anything other than kind of oleaginously untrustworthy and kind of, <laughs> you know, just because she, when she was saying that stuff, she was using exactly the same voice as she always does when she's trying to manipulate somebody into something. Mm. And we see later in the episode that, you know, this is how she avoids her walk of atonement, is that mm. she gets the king to be in the, you know, the High Sparrow's pocket. Yeah, um, yeah. But I do, I, to be a fly on the wall of the room where that happened, because did she just work it all out from the politics? Or did she, did she kind of... I mean, you wouldn't put past her, like, flashing the High Sparrow a little bit of ankle and being like... <laughs> Tell you what, we should work together, you and me. Mm. You know? Yeah, it felt to me like she's kind of feeling her way through it. And yeah, it is sort of a quite a clever uh, game she's playing almost. Because when she starts, to, she's not sort of evangelizing in front of Tom and she sort of feels him out, doesn't she? So she's like, yeah. this High Sparrow guy, he's not what we thought, is he? And then Tom is like, no, he's not what we thought. And they never talk yeah. about... She, she never says what it is that she thinks he's going to say until he says it. It's really cleverly done. And she, she's... um, yeah. she, You underestimate, underestimate Marjorie at your peril, don't you? She's very, very adept You do. At Anybody stuff. with that sort of... I, well, is this realistic? Because, I mean, we've seen even Cersei can be broken by this experience. Hmm. And um, so is this realistic that she would go through, essentially through kind of psychological torture and come out of the other end having had the irreducible core of her power to manipulate people completely unchanged? Mm. You know, I'm not sure I believe that, really. Um, yeah, I don't I don't think she's had as, as bad a time of it as Cersei did, though, because she's not as defiant. And I think that's the thing yeah. with Marjorie. She's the sort of arch-pragmatist, isn't she? And yeah. she never sort of... The thing with Cersei is she's, she was always far too proud to um, ever give any any ground at all to these to this sort of religious group that she considered to be almost laughably um, below her, whereas Marjorie may think the same thing, but she's more than willing to give up a bit of pride and you know say what she needs to say to get what she wants. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think yeah, Cersei definitely has that kind of like, do not reduce me any further mm. thing and I will not suffer to be further reduced mm. whereas um, whereas yeah Marjorie I think is is yeah is a little more calculating if such a thing can be imagined to be more calculating mm. than Cersei Lannister holy <laughs> crap <laughs> but it's true I yeah. think she is you know I think she's less emotional about it 
Yeah, I sometimes think Cersei doesn't really do calculating. She just sort of does ruthlessly. <laughs> she does, <laughs> does not calculate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, we move move back to uh, back to Hornhill. Um, Gilly's showing off her new frock that she's got, sort of yeah. struggling to walk around in it. But nice, nice moment for Sam and Gilly there. Sam, yeah. Sam's eyes go. What is, Sam's looking at, at her, her like the kind of weird. Imagine you look like a, at a hamburger and chips. It's just sort of <laughs> wow. <laughs> look at this. Um. I do sort of love that. Like there was a lot about how their relationship grew during this experience, which I really liked, even though they weren't, even though it wasn't going the way I wanted it to go for them. Mm. Um, yeah, like, yeah, I really, I really loved some of this stuff, and part of that was like, I mean, we'll, we'll get to it later in the scene, but like, um, right now, it, it is Sam's eyes is just like, who is this woman I'm with? And I think that's a really <laughs> to 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 witness that moment in a character is actually really lovely because I think that's one of the nice things about um, about being with somebody is that you're like, you know, just occasionally you're like, wow, this is great <laughs> like like mm. you know like where you are completely surprised by another human being yeah um, and so and it's really nice seeing them do that since they have the least conventional relationship in the universe <laughs> <laughs> um uh in terms of its origins and in terms of what they'll both do and say and allow it to be but there's still this really nice moment of like you know mm. woo. It's yeah great. then we get this awkward um dinner clinking cutlery dinner um, where no one says much, but uh, oh, and, awkward, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, Deary me. And we get our introduction to Randall Talley. And it, we've had um, quite, there are quite a few um, instances in the books where we really get to sort of know Randall Talley um, and what he's like. Did his portrayal in the series, from what we've seen so far, surprise you at all in that context? Um, I think it was uh, it was interesting. And I actually think that's quite an achievement because he is such a huge figure in that you can almost see like the gaps in Sam's character are basically shaped like what his dad is like. So Mm. you can almost look at Sam and be like, oh, I know what your dad's like. And I think that's a real testament to how well he's acted. Um, But that means that this is a real testament to how well the guy doing Lord Tarly does, such that I wasn't just sitting there going, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah, no, I know, yeah, I know. Mm. I mean, there was a lot of it that wasn't terribly surprising. He is, as it turns out, a gosh-awful wanker, but <laughs> there's nothing for that. Um, yeah. uh, but he does make, he did it in an interesting way. He was quite muted and just, like, cold as ice, like mm. a real Roose Bolton type. But if but I, I it strikes me that Roose Bolton wouldn't give a damn about clearly doesn't give a damn about what his offspring do. So he was mm. kind of a, in a weird way a more domestic version of Roose Bolton, like just as ruthless and just as unpleasant and just as hateful, but mm. really worried about the household. Whereas Roose Bolton doesn't care about the household as long as he gets to conquer the north. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's interesting with the household stuff because I thought the thing that struck me about this Charlie because I was expecting but. It, but he's, and he kind of is a bit sort of like Tywin light, um, like yeah. diet Tywin and something like that. But, um, <laughs> just, just, just one calorie, not Tywin enough. <laughs> yeah, but it, but in terms of sort of the ruthlessness and um, the sort of nastiness of him, mm. um, I was really surprised with this dynamic of the household that made it feel a, a lot softer. He, he came across more like, for me, the sort of the nasty talking, set in his ways miserable old fucker but um but sort of 
deep down maybe a little softer than he portrays because I, I was very interested in the way his family reacts to him um and and how he reacts to his to his the rest of his family so there's a there's a bit where um his daughter makes some joke or says something yeah. and he sort of just says that's enough of that and she sort of laughs and then yeah. shuts up and that's the kind of that's that's the kind of interaction that isn't sort of a fearful um like rules with an iron fist house of beatings is it it's a yeah. kind of a you know don't don't cross dad but he's a you know he'd never actually do anything to hurt me kind of thing and well, also and also the what the, they've yeah but obviously the flip side of that is he's absolutely dreadful to his <laughs> to his eldest yeah son. yeah exactly yeah I, it's really interesting that isn't it because i think that's a solid read on what the what the fa- what the household felt like but mm. then it's not just that he was particularly cruel to one of his sons. It's that he threatened his son with death unless mm. he exiled himself and never saw him again. So there's mm. a real mismatch there, isn't there? Or maybe he's just completely married to the idea of, got a wife, she's appropriate for a wife. Got a daughter, she's going to get married to somebody. Good to have a daughter. There we go. Got a son, he's good at killing things. Got an older son, <laughs> he's fucking awful. He reads. What's reading for? Um <laughs> So maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just if you're within the boundaries of what you're supposed to be, then you're fine. And if you're outside of it, he's going to chop your head off. But, mm. I mean, bloody hell. Yeah, I, I'm not... The, the thing is, from how he, how he comes across, he feels like... And this may, may be wrong, because, you know, and in the series, in, in the books, it definitely would be wrong. But um, it feels like he sort of... Things like "I'm going to kill you" and "You're you're never darkening my door again" and stuff. It sounds like the kind of stuff you'd say quite a lot, but never really actually carry out. I mean, I'd imagine if he is as ruthless as as all that, he he has Gilly out in the yard and has her head off for being a wildling. Yeah, and, I mean, and, yeah, you know, yeah. He, he says to he, he said to Sam already, "Never return or or I'll kill you." Sam's back at his table eating now, and he's not done that. Yeah. And, you know, again, he banishes him again and says, you're never coming back again um, yeah. at the end of this. And the, the other thing is at the end of the meal where he's, he's sort of, his wife gets up and says, right, we're leaving, I've had enough. And, and her sort of intervention makes, makes uh, Randall Talley say, right, you know, I'll let you, you, you sort of, I'll let Gilly and your son stay because because your mum's you know wants it to happen and again it's just it's just not the actions of of a you know absolute ruthless bastard is it this yeah so it's really weird so is he kidding do you think if it was if sam aged 20 whatever before he was sent off to the wall had had the balls to be like fuck off dad it would have been (laughs) fine (laughs) <laughs> like is is it is it just the ultimate like he's like Randall Tarley essentially is an enormous bully and the moment you stand up to him he backs off. Well, you know what? If if Sam had been the character to have the balls to do that, there wouldn't have been a problem, would there? Because yeah. I'd imagine Randall Tarley's the kind of guy who turns around and goes, "Oh, finally, you know, he's showing a bit of steel and all this." And it's the fact that. Sam won't, would never do something like that. That so horrifies his dad because he just can't understand sort of where he's come from. This yeah. sort of is, yeah, um, yeah. Which so. is, yeah. I mean, the the I tell you also. I always imagine this like Sam's younger brother to be a real nasty piece of work as well. And again, he just seems just a bit 
you know, a bit dense. And yeah, he's but just, Tim, just Tim some nice like but aff- dim, isn't he? Yeah, some, Nick some nice like but aff- thick. Some affable, um, fairly strong um, Marshall, you know, posh guy. Yeah, yeah. Sort it was of, weird. Yeah. I was expecting it to feel like dinner with the Boltons. This and it was. Yeah. It felt far from that. Yeah. Yeah, it was a more southern version of Dinner with the Boltons, perhaps. No, no, you're right, you're right. Um, and But I think that was necessary, and that made it interesting. That brought tension to it. Because mm. otherwise mm. you are turning up with another horrible character that you know is horrible, who is horrible, and you spend ten minutes of screen time on it. Yeah. Um, whereas I think this is actually really useful because of what it does for... What it shows us about where Sam is from. Mm. Sam's mother was a great character. Um, and... Um, and Gilly kind of understands wealth now. She kind of understands where Sam's from, which mm. I think is going to be a big thing for their relationship, for her to be like, oh, I've seen it. You know, it's not like some magical whatever. It's yeah. this place where some people were nice and some people were nasty, just like anywhere else. Yeah, um, yeah. Although I, I do want to say this, actually, before we move on from this scene. I, 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 I did rather enjoy the thing where... Who was it that was saying, um, said to Gilly, I think we could learn a thing or two from your father? That's oh, some think- fucking dark humour there. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, <laughs> that was a good moment. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that Randall Talley is going to win any Dad of the Year awards um, anytime soon. Nope. But um, I don't know. In, I suppose yeah, in the context of like Bruce, Bruce Bolton sort of um, let my eldest die because Ramsey was sort of. Showed enough spirit to kill him, whatever. M- marry the fattest person I can because she's worth a weight, literally worth a weight in gold. Bolton, Jeez, yeah. S- S- Stannis, you know, burn my kid, oh, yeah. Baratheon. I mean, R- Robert routinely beating his wife and child, Baratheon. I mean, yeah. in that context, I don't know. I feel like I'm cheerleading for Talon. I didn't really want to do that, but it, <laughs> I was just quite surprised at the yeah, difference but- between the book and the series. That's all. Well, that's undeniable. Yes, I agree with that. That is definitely a, um, yeah. It, it's, it was definitely a weird way of, an interesting way of presenting the character that I wasn't expecting. And for that reason, I quite liked it. Yeah. I wonder if it's a similar thing to what they've done with, as we'll get on to, Mace Tyrell, who in the books is this, <laughs> is, in the books is this blowhard, but still someone who is taken seriously. And in the series, he's just an idiot. He's just, I, I tell you what, though, the fella playing him plays him to the absolute hilt, doesn't he, in a few of these scenes. When he's riding up yeah. the street in his, oh, in his yeah. armour. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. But we'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah. So this ends with, obviously, um, Sam being banished and Gilly saying, Gilly can work in the kitchens. In the end, Sam decides what's best is that they all leave. They're going to stay together. So, so Sam takes them all out and steals... Um, Chekhov's Valerian steel sword, which gets introduced <laughs> early on. That was um, <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You know what they say: if if a, a sword of uh, of unbegotten eldritch power appears on the stage in the first scene, it will be stolen by. The- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when um when Randall Talley said uh, points the sword out and says Sam will never use that. I thought there's pretty short odds on Sam using that at some point in this series. <laughs> He's almost certainly going to use it. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he nicks the he steals the sword and runs off with with Gilly. A, uh, where's he going? Is he still going to the Citadel? Because I thought the whole point of dropping Gilly off here is he can't take it to the Citadel. And yeah. two, stealing the sword. Why? 
Um, well, okay, so the answer to that is, of course, it's Chekhov's sword, and at some point he's going to need to fight a White Walker with it. Like, that's <laughs> that's clearly, like, that's the answer, and it's fairly clumsily done. Um, but in terms of character, I suppose you could say, I suppose you could say that um, he still doesn't have the balls. And I do sort I actually do understand this a little bit. Like, I don't think this is an unusual thing in some characters, where they can be... In a, in a dysfunctional relationship, they can be incredibly cowed and totally incapable of being aggressive in return for aggression. That doesn't mean they're any less aggressive. It just means they do it in different ways. So, mm. you know, so him, the, you know, he can't punch his dad in the face, but he can steal his magical ancient sword. Mm. And, yeah. you know, he understands what an enormous kind of thing that is to do. It still felt a little bit... I didn't see any passive aggression in the rest of Sam ever anywhere. So it still feels to me a bit weird. Mm. But I still... You know, I think that is a that is a functioning a functioning explanation, at least. Yeah, so it's just basically sticking two fingers up to Dad. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, if it, yeah, it feels like Sam's better than that. Um, and he wouldn't yeah. just... You know, he, he wouldn't do something so risky just for the sake of it but um i can't think it felt this bit i just thought i don't really understand i don't really understand this i hopefully there is a good reason and we'll get it later on but it just felt like as you said a bit sort of well the plot would probably need this to happen so he does it yeah why i don't really understand this (laughs) but anyway yeah yeah um maybe we'll find out as the series goes on um we go over the narrow sea for more of this uh, play, um, which we've uh, we've been enjoying so much. Um, so the it's the Bravos play. Joffrey is killed. Um, we get an Oscar-winning performance from Lady Crane as hey. she go, goes all out in her sort of um, Cersei grieving speech. Yeah. Uh, T- Tywin's also killed as well. Something I quite like about um, the the Tyrion portrayal here and the death of Tywin is that um, Tyrion then sort of, the guy playing Tyrion turns to the crowd and fires the crossbow at them and says, now I'm crossing the narrow sea to sort of to cause mischief over there as well and it's yeah. I quite like the idea of the reason this play is so popular is it's got a great villain because he's like, he's the bogey, like the, the boogeyman under the bed now in, yeah, yeah, in uh, across yeah, the narrow yeah, sea yeah. it's the kind yeah. of story that mums will be telling the kids you know be good else Tyrion's gonna come and get you and all this yeah yeah Mm. yeah I thought that was that was incredibly incredibly well done um and I love I I do love I still love can't believe we didn't give him a a, a shout out last week but um Richard E. Grant playing just great at playing that character such a such a magnificent prancing lovey just (laughs) so good yeah uh, so, so meanwhile, uh, Arya sneaks into the backstage and poisons the the rum which uh, which Lady Crane drinks. On the way out, she bumps to sort of bump into each other, and Lady Crane's really nice to her, compliments her eyebrows. You can't poison someone who compliments your eyebrows. I, so, I uh, certainly can't. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I quite like this um, phrase that Arya says towards the end, where she's sort of she's obviously very conflicted, and the excuse she uses to leave is I've got to go my father's waiting and yeah. I just felt that that was that was all tied up in sort of her broader it's quite messed up her broader yeah. story in that the whole point of her going to these like faceless men and oh. learning to be an assassin is to avenge her father and you know what's happened to her family 
Yeah. Um, so I thought that, that phrase worked really well on, on a couple of levels. Hey, there you go. The whole point of it was for her to become an assassin and avenger father. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks for that. <laughs> Honestly been wondering for point. quite a long... There is a point. There, yeah. there is yeah. a point in the artist formerly known as Arya Stark. No, yeah, I think... Well, first of all, that's amazing, and thank you. But secondly, I, I, I really like how that's on another level. That's just so clearly in her head because she's just been watching these dramas of her, her father getting killed, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and so... I like that as well, that she still feels this sense of connection. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 So it's, it's good, this. Arya's story is moving, and I honestly thought we'd never see the day. Yeah. The last minute here, Arya changes her mind and stops Lady Crane from drinking the poison. There's a classic little bit where Lady Crane keeps almost drinking it. And you're like, oh, that was great, wasn't it? Oh. That was classic, wasn't it, really? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Arya, in a fit of conscience, um, knocks the locks the cup out of Lady Crane's hand I assume she doesn't then drink a bit more <laughs> it's really, really <laughs> but, um, but she yeah, Aya leaves and who's watching but the waif with a big old smile on her face She she's seeing she's got the cartridge inserting it into the Super Nintendo she thinks Aya Super Beatdown Party 98 is getting a rerun here <laughs> I, I think that the actress that plays that girl does a very good job of being essentially a complete one note very very <laughs> plain bully character yeah. um, she's no reason to hate Aria. she's just been there beating her up mm. um, but you know and the whole point of that has been that it serves a broader purpose you know yeah, um, which is one of the strange things about it is that I've seen this happening and not really known why. Like with mm. the like with the um, the way Ramsey treated um, Theon, I'm just like, oh fuck's sake, get on with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, she's de- she's definitely ready to kick off, and then we cut from that scene to Arya getting her sword back, getting needle back out of the wall. Mm. Eh? Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, it's back. Needles yeah. back. It's Needle. all coming together. Yeah. And and um yeah, so the wife goes to Jake and Hagar and says, Okay, she's failed, can I kill her? And Jacob's like, Yeah, but don't make her suffer. Um Jake says, A shame. A girl had many gifts. Um so he shows yeah. a bit of regret. I quite like that choice of words as well, because you could take it as in she was very talented and it's a shame to lose her. Um but also obviously he the faceless men describe killing people as giving people the gift and I just I wondered if it was a reference to her list that she's got and that she had a lot that she could have accomplished with us but she oh that's interesting see I actually thought well, I thought what I heard him say was the girl had had potential hmm. um, and I thought that was interesting that he only uses the definite article when she's not in the room hmm. um, as an interesting kind of thing but I tell you what this this holds the um, Serio Florel is Jake and Hagar theory directly under the waterline, doesn't it? Because, mm. well, I mean, the reason that we're hoping that's true is that Serio Florel was nothing but nice to her. Mm. Um, whereas now he's just like, got a killer, have you? Put a lot of work into finding her and tracking her across an entire continent and then over a sea and then across another one and then <laughs> mentoring her carefully but secretly from afar and yet close up and putting her through an entire process for her to become a, uh, an unstoppable badass killing machine, a process that I completely support. <laughs> What's she done? She She's fucking right, killer. <laughs> yeah. Better off out. Yeah, it's just a bit, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right, so we end with uh, the waif heading off to um, to take her out 
and I are sort of settling down with with needle in an un, undisclosed location. I assume she hasn't gone back to the house of black and white. She's probably just hiding out somewhere in Bravos. But hopefully we'll get some some more uh, some more next week of that. But we move then on to King's Landing. The troops are amassing, and Mace Terrell is at the head of them. He uh, he. <laughs> couple of things here. <laughs> I like how he's so inept a horse rider that he's actually having his horse led by somebody. So I like, didn't even notice that. That's yeah. amazing. There's <laughs> just some guy holding the reins, just bringing the horse along. It's like, imagine yeah. being the bloke whose job that is as well. I'm yeah. going to be the guy who works for one of the great houses of Westeros and I'm going to look after the horses before the battle and, <laughs> and during the battle, actually, since... <laughs> Since I am now the face of my lord's complete ineptitude. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, he does this, uh, quote marks, rousing speech um, about madness in the city, which ends with, madness has had its day. And everyone's like, okay. Yeah, yeah there's no cheer at all. <laughs> Great, innit? Madness <laughs> has had its day. Roar! Roar! But instead, what there is is madness has had its day, and there's just one bloke at the back going, <laughs> yeah. While his mate just sort of quietly looks at his watch. <laughs> <laughs> we ready? Great, let's do it, shall we? Yeah, I got places to be after this, so if we can knock <laughs> off by five, beat the I... Friday traffic, that would be great. <laughs> I have places to be after this history-defining climax that you just tried to claim. Um, quite yeah. frankly, Corrie's on. So, shall we? <laughs> yeah, Jamie's face is great as well as he's sitting next to him like, oh, this shit, really? <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what I love the most about that, actually. This is the warmest I've felt towards Jamie for quite some time because it wasn't, it wasn't a big, hammy, eye-rolling, gosh, this is rubbish. It was yeah. just this sort of, it was, it was the activities of somebody who was sat in that horse looking fucking impressive next to a complete tit many times in his career. You know <laughs> what I mean? It was, it was tiresome is what it was. It was him sitting there just kind of going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, he's not rolling his eyes. He's not sighing. He's just drifting slightly. Yeah. Just a bit, yeah. Because that was, of course, his whole role when being Kingsguard to um, uh, the, the Mad King. Yeah, was to yeah. stand next to him and look really badass while this, you know, lower than pond scum, complete moral bottle of turpentine told you what to do. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. You could you could probably say that for every king this that Jamie's served up to Tommen. Um, yeah, yeah, that's interesting, you know. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's just had to sort of sit there and listen to people above him who he thinks are a bit rubbish. Just go on and on. Mm. Um, now. So we get this. I mean, I was quite excited at this point. I thought, here we go. This is it. This is it's all coming to a head because you've got the High Septon, uh, the High Sparrow, and uh, and Marjorie uh, and Lancel appears on the steps of the Sept, about to start the apparently about to start the Walk of Atonement. Jamie and the uh, the Tyrells arrive. Jamie, in a cruel display of horsemanship, considering um, what Mace Tyrells having to go through with his guy leading his horse around by the reins. He actually rides up the steps, which looked pretty badass, um, yeah. and says, look, this ain't going to happen. And I thought, did you think at this point there's going to be a bloodbath? Yeah, well, if only because it's Game of Thrones and they showed extraordinary restraint in the last, in this episode and in the last episode, actually, in 
moving away from being quite so much the sex and death show mm. and, and all the better for it i have to say um <laughs> but so i was a bit like i i just i do just imagine that db vice and, and david benioff are just like i want to kill something i want to kill something i've got to kill something can we kill something can we have a battle scene soon please um so i was definitely expecting it to go off in this situation yeah. But the, it, it appears at first that the sp- High Sparrow backs down. So he says, uh, there won't be any need for bloodshed. There was a great meme of this where um, it's a picture of the Sparrow like speaking to the audience. And he's basically going, there will be no boobs today. You can all go home. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, and, oh, and, and, what? And, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> the crowd on screen and indeed the crowd at home in solitary, poorly lit bedrooms. All went. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So um. So what happens actually is that uh, Tommen is now on side with the uh, Faith Militant. He comes out with the rest of his Kingsguard. I'm quite surprised Jamie didn't think was the rest of my. Where, my where Kingsguard? are they actually? Yeah. But um, they all walk out behind Tommen. They've now got the seven pointed star on their armor to show this sort of coming together. Yeah. And Tommen sort of says, yeah, Marjorie's not doing a walk of atonement because we're all going to promise to work together now, blah blah yeah. blah we, Yeah, because should... this religious system of, uh, of sin and atonement is completely meaningless in the face of uh, political expedience. Like, <laughs> yeah. The whole logic of that. Yeah, it's definitely, it's completely, completely, you know, un- uneluctable. There's no, no negotiating with it. There's no saying either way. All it is, right, is if you do something wrong, you're going to have to have some sort of horrifying public punishment for it. What is it? Are you going to solder some little stars on the front of your mates? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're eat. Yeah, it's because the High Sparrow's just said that to Jamie as well. He's gone, look, uh, it's not up to me. The gods are the gods and the rules are the rules. And what's that? Shared power? Yeah, we fine. Yeah, you know, strangely <laughs> enough, there is in the book of the seven a little known book eight, and what that says is basically, where are we? Hang on, hang on. Here it is. Yeah, my house, my rules, bitches. So, yeah. drops Mike, leaves yeah. Plaza. <laughs> yeah, in the little known chapter of the German aliens, <laughs> in the appendix to the apocrypha. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. They've discovered some sort of sub apocrypha, some sort of extra thing that's added on to something else. That's like, actually, it says I can do what I like. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Tom and walks out with Marjorie. We should have known really because Marjorie's not had the haircut either. So that was a bit of a giveaway, actually, that maybe it wasn't going to go down the same way. But someone walks down and think, oh, oh, Tom, and what have you done here? Um, and then just for the for the people who have sort of, you know, got the got the iPad on at the same time and aren't really watching, uh, Mace turns to Lady Elena and says, what's happening? And she says, we've lost. You're like, thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for making it clear. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, that, that kind yeah. of pissed me off a little bit. I was like, oh. "Yeah, I <laughs> agree a, with that." It's, yeah. it's the kind of thing to see in a in a soap or something. But anyway, yeah, um, it was. Yeah, that that was definitely a little bit of telenovela plotting, wasn't it? It was like, <laughs> yeah. do I need to do some ex uh, some uh, ex exhibition? What exposition? Thank you. <laughs> do I need to do some yeah. exposition here or what? I do. Great, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, the exhibition was going to uh, has just been cancelled, hasn't it? it? Was the uh, yeah? As the sparrow changes his mind, we 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 cut to Jamie ripping off his armor as he's being sacked from the King's Guard for obviously threatening the High Sparrow, 
and um, quite a nice parallel with Barristan, where yeah. he got he got the sack and sort of ripped yeah. his armor off and said, you know, sod it. I th- I'm not sure he took. Did he take his armor off or did he just throw his sword down? Either way, he sort of storms out. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and Jamie Jamie is he's not going to be arrested or anything. He's been sent away to the Riverlands. Um, or kind of as punishment, but also kind of as just a, a way to protect him. Because he's a military commander, and having yeah. him around is yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we cut to here's a surprise um, return that I wasn't expecting to see, but uh, Walder Frey. We, yeah. We'll go to the Freys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The much, ultimate much as wedding I, crasher. Yeah, yeah. Much as I hate Frey for what he did at the Red Wedding. I, I do enjoy watching uh, this guy. He's fun. <laughs> He's good he? value. <laughs> He's good value. Um, so it turns out the we said um, last week this Baelish is it a lie? Is it true? The Blackfish has retaken Riverrun. It is legit. the uh, The Blackfish has retaken the uh, Riverrun, and Walderfrey is furious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the way Walder Frey in this scene leans into all the shit he's done. You know, all <laughs> like his family are around him, kind of doing what we've seen them do in the books, which is pretend that Rob Stark called down some sort of horrendous direwolf demon to eat them all, so they had to kill him. Or so, you know, something. Yeah. Rob Stark was really rude about the king, so it was, you know, it was the only polite thing to do. Yeah. Um, where, but where, like, so they're all everybody around him in this scene is kind of being a bit like, no, we should act like a noble house and stuff. And Walder Frey is just like, no. <laughs> You are <laughs> bastards. Repeat after me. What are you? Bastards. Very good. Very well done. Now go forth and be bastards. <laughs> yeah. But there seems to be quite a few problems surrounding the phrase at the moment because they've obviously got this um, river run now um, having been retaken. The Malisters and the Blackwoods apparently have risen against them as well and they're having the problems with the Brotherhood Without Banners. It's interesting that um, this is almost like a rewind now, and we are back at sort of Feast for Crows parts of the books because th- all this was happening in Feast for Crows. They yeah. just hadn't. They just never took Riverrun, so Riverrun yeah. was holding out with the Blackfish, and the Malisters were still um, uh, still rebelling. And the Blackwoods, if you remember, that was that Blackwood against what was the other one? Bracken, um, yeah, two way thing that was going on. Yeah. And the, and you've got the Brotherhood without banners. Interesting that they're reintroducing the Brotherhood here. That's got a few people talking to say maybe yeah. your yeah. Lady Stoneheart thing might be still be on I, the cards. Yeah, well, I I've been arguing for this for quite some time, but I previously had it in a box marked characters I'm unlikely to see, which is infuriating because I think they're really interesting. Hmm. And um, but until, until this week, there were other characters in that box. Who are now fully fledged members of the canon? So, <laughs> yeah, you know. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, I suppose I definitely have a sense, don't you, of all of these threads which have been so infuriatingly held apart for whole novels to this point. They're mm. all just getting chucked in in this series. They're all coming out. So who knows? Lady Stoneheart could be in the next episode. I'm, they genuinely <laughs> managed. They managed to make me excited about actually seeing all of this shite. You know? Yeah. Speaking of people you've not seen for. A number of series and then suddenly reappear. Uh, Walder Frey's secret weapon to take Riverrun back is uh, he's still got Ed Muir Tully, 
the old uh, yeah. guy who married his daughter. So he brings yeah. him forward. Edmure has got this great look on his face. It's it looks like he's still suffering from a hangover from the red wedding. <laughs> it's just been the hangover from hell. And he's just like, oh, I still feel oh. terrible. It's oh. been three seasons, and I still can't get rid of this hangover. <laughs> this is awful. <laughs> what did somebody, I drink? Somebody get me a kebab. <laughs> yeah, so um, Edmure's back in a fashion, and looks like he's going to be used as a bargaining chip. Um, we get a brief scene with Jamie and Cersei. Uh, Jamie saying, look, I'm, I'm staying here. They can't send me away. And Cersei basically being the pragmatist, saying, you know what, it's better to have you out of the city at the head of an army than it is to have you in a, a cell, which is what's going to happen if you try yeah. and sort of take out the High Sparrow. And also, she says, you know, I've got the mountain to protect me in this trial by combat, so don't worry about it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah which, that- I mean, which is a strong argument if you're completely certain that the mountain's always going to do what you tell him to do. And he was never terribly minded to do that when he was alive. So <laughs> what he's going to be like now that he's zombie type 5... not really clear to me there if I was Cersei I would not be comfortable yeah Uh, we've also got um, I thought it's quite interesting here just how different we're in this we're in the pretty much a very similar point now to where the books end up but just how different the relationship between Jamie and Cersei is oh yeah because they're really tight now and in the books at this point Jamie's throwing you know a letter into the fire saying I'm not I'm I'm done with her done with her yeah Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's really weird. Like, mm. um, and I think I like the book version better because the the TV version just sort of it makes it doesn't question enough what their relationship is based on and how sustainable mm. that is. Let's not forget, you know, twelve episodes ago we witnessed him rape her, right? Mm. And she and and but at that point it's just like yeah, whatever. Like, there's something, you know, to sort of. It seems to me that they, in order to establish a kind of weird ambiguity emotionally about that act, they're mm. kind of, yeah, they kind of dig, dug into this relationship where, where previously, like in the books, he doesn't do that and he hates it, which I think is far more rational, you know. Mm. And he's always been the rational one out of that relationship, right? Yeah, that scene, the, the rape scene, is very, it's very difficult to deal with in the series now because... Yeah, it was so obviously a rape scene from if you're sitting watching it, but like yeah. members of the crew working on, and like the, I think even the writers working on the show have said that they didn't mean it to come across so clearly like that. So it, it makes you. It's, it's, I always find it very hard to work out how that sits in the context of the rest of the show. Now, I think um, the interesting thing here is that obviously with. As we said about the Riverlands, we've kind of rewound the plot there, and we're about to start the Feast for Crows plot in the Riverlands, yeah. and that is the point where Jamie's relationship breaks down with. Cersei. Oh, that's interesting. So all this stuff in between times and him being chucked out, and they basically confected this whole thing with you know the the um, uh, High Garden marching on the city and and all of this stuff just as a way of getting Jamie back out of the way. And all of this mm. stuff has basically been a placeholder to kind of make up the difference between where the where the books, how the books did this chronologically, and how the series has. Yeah, because in the in the books, obviously, it's um, Tyrion tells Jamie that Cersei's been sleeping around, and that's what sort of starts this whole ball rolling of them of them sort of ripping apart from each other. Yeah. And 
Tyrion didn't tell Jamie in the series, so that's that information still to arrive. I wonder if that kind of information is going to come out at the trial, and that's what's going to drive them apart. We'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's definitely a different to the books. Although we've rewind, so maybe it's going to go go back to a parallel sort of story again. Yeah. Speaking of differences with the books. We go north of the wall, and uh, I didn't mention this at the start, because I may as well do this all together, yeah. but um, the visions uh, that Bran's... When, basically, when Bran and Mira are on the run, they, uh, they get attacked by these whites, don't they? And they get yeah. saved by this guy on horseback with the, <laughs> the coolest sort of... Was it, it, was like, it was like a flaming morning star, sort of yeah, massive was. ball and chain on fire, which he kill, uh, Some of these kills as well are amazing. They're almost <laughs> hilariously good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and and Matt, were you as I was when this happened, sitting there going, "He's cold hands, he's cold, they're doing cold hands, they're doing it, he's cold hands, yeah, cold hands, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah." And um, although unfortunately, there's no sign of the elk, um, which is a great shame. <sighs> That's a crying it, bloody shame. Can you yeah. mind you though? You'd either have to do that in CGI or somehow tame an elk to be ridden. <laughs> And I'm not sure. I'm just yeah. not sure that's something that you can do and survive. Yeah, yeah. So this is the point. Um, obviously, this point in the episode now, where we go back there, and um, we find out that this person who saved them is, Benjamin Stark. <gasps> Gasp! So, so here it is. This is yet. Yeah, this is another time during this during this episode where a fan theory which I previously scorned actually seems to get some some progress towards it, right? Yeah. So, Benjamin Stark is Cold Hands. Mm. How about that? Mm. Or am I right in saying that this character is Cold Hands? I mean, he's, he's clearly dead, right? He's got, he's, you know, been stabbed in the whatever and everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, he's clearly almost dead or somewhere in between dead and alive, whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I you know... Who knows? Varys is a mermaid could very easily be back on deck. This is going to be one of the most longest-running character hiatuses of all time, surely. Yeah, 64 yeah. episodes later, <laughs> he returns. You can imagine him, can't you? The poor bastard who plays him signing up for it and being like, oh, great, yeah, pretty integral to the storyline, is it? Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's great. All right, so I've done the first episode. When do you want me back for the next one? Um... Call it 2016. Probably about six, seven years from now. Call it seven years from now. Yeah, you don't know when we're gonna. What? Yeah. What do you mean you've already paid for the house? What? I reckon he signed on, did his first one, looks at his contract. It said recurring character. He thought brilliant, and he's been turning up every week. And said, no, nope, not yet. <laughs> Avengers soon, soon. What? Next week? Ooh, maybe next week. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stringing him out for six years, but yeah, he's finally back. Um, did, did you notice that his um, his hands are black or yes. at least grey? So yeah. I think that's supposed to be a nod to the book readers, as you know, yeah. in this in this uh, world at least in this the series. Yeah, yeah, Benjamin is cold hands. Yeah. Um, I still wonder. I still think actually that the um, cold hands in the in the book isn't Benjamin. Um, just simply because some of the things that he talks about being thousands of years old and stuff like that. That's very true. Although, is there a thing there where you could say, um, you know, he's had this kind of dagger in the heart thing happen. Um, mm. 
and so you know, in a sense, is he in? You know, is he is he in some sense joined to the whites or like you know the the ancient mystic force of death or something? Because mm, possibly because well because I was I was going to touch on this. I, in fact, I, I, that's not true. I completely forgot to touch on this before. Um, uh, that do you remember that scene that we saw the, in the book the first time Bran goes green seeing and he ends up in Winterfell and he just sits there as the heart tree for ages yeah. and sees all these things happen. One of the things he sees happen there is somebody being stabbed in the heart, right? Somebody oh, being yeah. going through some sort of ritual sacrifice. Now, he didn't mention anything about having seen Children of the Forest, but I don't think in the book, does he meet Children of the Forest when he, when he meets the three-eyed crow? Or does he just yeah, turn up in the... Yeah, he, yeah, he does. That there are, right, yeah, okay. there are oh, Children okay. of the Forest there. All yeah. right, okay, fair enough. Then, then it probably doesn't fly. But I thought that was really interesting because I remember that being mm. a really dramatic and affecting scene. And I thought it was just there to be dramatic and bloody because it's a song of ice and fire. But... Mm. What if it's actually also a thing, and he's gone back so far that Winterfell, in some way, was built by the Children of the Forest way back when, and mm. you know Winterfell is that flipping old, and you know he witnessed the creation of the first White Walker. Mm. Yeah, could could well be, couldn't it? Yeah, could well be. And um, so it looks like Ben uh, Benjamin's going to do the sort of Cold Hands role, but in reverse. So where in the books, Cold Hands took. Bran and Mira and Todor, God rest his soul. And yeah, <laughs> can we have a minute? Secure so reporter moment. himself. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> some moment for Todor, uh, and and uh, Summer, of course. Yeah, uh, and those little little tree people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. So, whereas he took Bran to the Three-Eyed Raven in the books, it looks like the ver- this version of Cold Hands will be taking Bran, maybe. To the wall, maybe back, maybe to safety. That yeah. feels like oh, general wherever plan. safety we imagine safety to be found. Yeah, but well, it's yeah. interesting. Interesting that Benjamin says here, you know, basically that he Bran and the Knights King are on this collision course now, and it's yeah. going to be that's going to be the sort of title fight for Westeros. I I, I tell you what, actually, I really really like that because mm. Bran is can't walk. Do you know what I mean? And here we are in this world that's made of people who are like, I have magical power. I have sword power. And and Bran's like, fair enough, he's got a magic power, but he's basically a kid sitting on a sledge. Mm. And he's going to be like, introducing <laughs> the champion for the Andals and the king of men, Brandon Stark. <laughs> Amazing. Like, I just, I love that. I just think that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And it certainly sets things up for later in the in the series quite nicely. Certainly um, does. Although it does raise the possibility because previously I've been thinking, right, well that's going to be John or that's going to be Daenerys. And yeah. so I quite like the idea of these two apparently far more badass characters turning up, and Bran's just sitting there with his with his Marilyn Manson white contact <laughs> lenses in, just going, <laughs> "I've got this. Don't you worry about it." Mira just standing off to the side, going, I, "Honestly, he's got it. Don't just don't even bother." Dragons, <laughs> is it? Don't just don't just leave it. Not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be. Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly setting a lot of um a lot of things in motion this episode in general, isn't it? Yeah. Um, the final the final scene. Yeah. Is uh Daenerys, uh with her Calisano, I assume making her way towards Marine, uh and she rides off, and appears on 
Drogon the dragon mm. just happened. I don't know how she knew it was there, but it just Drogon happened. the dragon. Yeah, Drogon the dragon. Sorry. And uh, and she gives this rousing speech, um, yeah. saying a couple of things here. One, um, you know, I normally choose three blood riders, but now you're all blood riders. And it's like uh, that just means we're all still as equal as each other then. Yeah, but you're yeah. all blood riders. What does that mean? It just means you're blood riders. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they go for it, don't they? I just oh, love that. It. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a stretch, though, isn't it? Mind you, they're clearly they're not cheering because she turns up and says, "Hey, here's a subtle restructuring of power," which is basically meaningless <laughs> and a title bump for everybody at the same time. They're doing it because she's sitting on a dragon. <laughs> yeah. By the way, CGI a lot better than last time we tried to do this. Where she, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, very yeah. much. They clearly watched rewatched the last episode of that <laughs> and went right. Ooh. Who do we know who's good at this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so she, she does the... Um, it's almost a, it's a nice parallel speech of the one that uh, Carl Drogo gave back in series one about killing the men in their iron suits and uh, tearing down the stone houses and all this. Um, so yeah. it's just set it, setting up the, the plan. Um, Dario says it's going to take a thousand ships, which just so happens to be the number of ships that um, the Iron Islanders are trying to bring over for them um, to transport everyone across. Um, so how many Dothraki are there? Is it like 10,000 Dothraki or something? Something like that, yeah. Because I've heard it said that there was 100,000, but that can't be right because you're not going to stick 10,000 people on a ship. Big big ships, big ships. They're just massive cruise liners. Can you imagine that? <laughs> just, just It's not little wooden somethings. It's just it's the whatever it is, the Ariana or the flipping Harmony of the Seas or something. And they turn up and he just very slowly go across the narrow sea and they're all getting absolutely hammered and going and watching like cheap fifth rate hypnotists in the uh, in the in the theatre shows or whatever going all you can eat sushi which has probably seen better days and never actually <laughs> looking at the sea. That basically, but with Dothraki horsemen. It would be carnage. <laughs> I quite like what one of the other podcasts said about this scene where because all the um the, the Kalasai is walking through this long valley, so yeah. only sort of if you can only see, a, uh, you know, maybe a, a few hundred, maybe a thousand of them. And I like the idea that she's doing this rousing speech and they're all cheering, and then it has to be passed all the way down. <laughs> to the end. So it's all, and it's a bit like Chinese whispers. And by the time they get to the end of it, instead of like tear down the stone houses, it's like we we kicking over sandcastles what is it what? I've got a I've got a I've got to buy an iron what is that, I'm not really sure about it what did she really say that she <laughs> yeah and it's all quite figurative language as well isn't it so it, it starts off sounding like the like Chinese whispers doesn't it really like yeah. like a, a man in an iron shell is gonna be where is he gonna be is he I love that. I actually, or oh, that would be even better if it was like if she was if she was a sort of competent technocrat type. And actually, what it was was she did it to the first thousand, and then she just looks at her watch and goes, "Right, get the next ones in." Just everybody out the back. Dario Hota goes from being this like kind of sexy badass to being a sort of primary school teacher. Come on, everybody, come on, hold hands now, two at a time. Here we go, all the way through. Wait in the next valley along because everybody's got to hear it. Okay, and then in the background, you just hear her go. <coughs> <laughs> you are all my blood riders. <laughs> yeah, just again and again. That's that's better. That's better than having the 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 sort of word get back. And by the time it gets to the back of the queue, it's like, yeah. So she was she was standing on a gecko, 
and she was saying <laughs> that we need to build a sandcastle. Get to it. It's like, oh, it's like, not quite the rousing speech I was hoping for, but yeah. okay. I, I heard she was a badass. I recently bowed down in the light of a flaming big top for this. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Was it worth it? Do I need to rethink? Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, again, this, this sets up the... Uh, we're heading to Westeros finally after six seasons, yeah. but not straight away. They're still sort of in the middle of nowhere with no ships. So it's kind of it kind of felt Westeros. Yeah, it kind of felt a little sort of it's a little flat for me. This just because it's not like she's about to get on the ships. Yeah, it's like this is going to happen at some point in the future. Yeah, so bear with me. So. Yeah, well, I definitely had a moment where I was like. I was oh oh is that the end of the episode is it uh, all right you know hmm. um, but um, like I say I, in the broader context of the fact that it was an episode where I didn't spend my entire time going who are you going to kill this time yeah. I actually quite liked it yeah, um, yeah. I, I I agreed with the uh, bold move podcast said this but I agree with the, in that um, it would have been a better end to swap this with the Arya bit and have Arya blowing the candlelight as the cut to black. That, oh I yeah, think, yeah, because the... that ended on a really weird sort of. So you've <laughs> cut, you've done the scene where the waif goes and tries and sets out to kill her, and you've done the scene where Arya picks up her sword and then she blows out a candle where she's staying where we know not, and mm. that's it. What? Yeah. yeah, you know, it wouldn't make any more sense at the end of an episode, but at least it would feel like a cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> right. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a good good episode overall. It felt like one of those sort of table setting episodes where they set in a lot of things in motion. Not not many sort of big things happen, but a lot of a lot of big plots are beginning to turn again now. And yeah, the reintroduction of quite a few uh, characters that we've not seen for a flipping long time. So there we go. Yeah, yeah. Right, you know what's time for now? Feedback, and we're gonna yeah. pretty. Should we, do we feedback first, or should we enter the bunker full it. of spoilers? Okay. No, let's do it. Let's um, keep the bunker full of spoilers for. Um... We've only got a, little, a couple of little bits of feedback this week. Um, one is, <laughs> one is from Max. Um, now, do you remember uh, a few episodes ago? Uh, we had the gator update, the alligator that was knocking yeah, around. Yeah, at the a story of his which garden. I'm confident I completely mangled. By the way, but yeah, okay, yeah, cool. So, well, there was this. There was this alligator that got. But if you if you weren't listening, was living was see, appeared at the bottom of Max's garden and then was um, was moved on um, later on for 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 showing menacing behaviour. Um, I assume he was like waddling around with a kind of special brew, shouting at passersby. Um, but Max has replied with an update, alligator update. Yes. Um, there is actually a cell phone video of the alleged menacing behaviour uh, exhibited <laughs> by the alligator. But it's in a neighbourhood Facebook group, so he couldn't send it over to us directly. But he said he uh, it was in the street that leads into the hood. And yeah. it, the alligator was kind of just taking up space in the bicycle lane. <laughs> bicycle <laughs> lane. <laughs> As if being a cyclist in America wasn't difficult enough. You've literally got apex predators picking on you from the flipping uh, from the flipping cycle lane. Brilliant. <laughs> Apparently, there was one person of questionable self-preservation. Um, who attempted to get the alligator up and over the curb and into the grass so he could get it down to the water by kind of shivying it from behind. Um, but the alligator hissed and snapped his head back and the guy had to run off. So it was pretty hair-raising to watch. Yeah. So um, just, a, just a little update from, um, from Gator Watch down in Florida oh, there. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've got our own dragons going on there. I'm going to call him. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to call him Crocodile. <laughs> Not Drogon, but Crocodile. That's his yeah. name now. I also um, usually like to have a quick check in our junk mail folder as well. I don't want to, you know, I, I, that's how it keeps me awake at night, Dave. And it's the thought that we might be missing bits of feedback from people who are very keen to and just desperate to get in touch, but for whatever reason, the carefully crafted emails are being diverted to our junk mail folder. Damn it, uh, Gmail. Yeah, and I think this is what's happened to Mrs. Benoit Mario, um, who has addressed her email to Dear God's Chosen. <laughs> Now, hang on. Is that you or is that me? I think it's both of us. It's, is it, it both that, of us? We're both chosen of the Lord. Well, that, that's that, well. That's often how we sign off on our emails, isn't and it? That is so. true. I mean, in fairness, and we are both fairly saintly. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. she, Mrs. Nicole, doesn't she? Doesn't have a lot to. Uh, she doesn't have a lot to say about Game of Thrones. She doesn't have anything to say about Game of Thrones. Um, but she does. But have I presume a what she's got to say is better than that, right? Well, well, she starts by saying, "Please excuse this humble email if it offends your sensibilities." Well, we're watching Game of Thrones. We're not going to be offended. <laughs> but I have no other means to contact you. I cannot talk on the telephone, so I did a search for your email address and uh, found it on the International Directorate Email Data Search. That one. Did, I th- are we still on that? Because I thought that we'd. <laughs> I mean, it was too expensive, wasn't it? We got off that because that was only the best people, you know, use that to sort of index their contact details. Yeah. We, wow. All right. No, apparently, 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 uh, unfortunately for Nicole, she's she's dying at the moment. Um, oh. She's uh, she's in hospital. Right, uh, right, right. But um, she's been touched by God to donate an amount of money inherited from my late husband, Mister LeBlanc Mario, um, to you to do the good work. And help, an, and help an orphanage, apparently. Oh, oh, right. Oh, okay. How, mu- how much money does she say we're going to need to help this orphanage? Well, look, um, apparently, for, for a start, is this legit? How did her husband get the money? Her husband, de- My husband derived his fortune by successfully dealing on gold dust business in the early <laughs> 1980s. It's, I'll tell you what, though, Matt. It's very difficult business to get into, that really is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the gold it's dust business. Oppi- opportunities to get into the gold dust business. Well, Matt, they're like, they're, well, yeah. anyway, carry on. Yeah. So um, it is my last wish that this money, which is in a bank account, which she may need help getting hold of, um, is distributed yeah. to charitable organisations. Yeah. Um, relatives and friends have plundered much of my wealth since my illness. The shit. <laughs> you, you, you can't plundered your family, as well. Can you? <laughs> Can't, you can't choose them. <laughs> I please beg you, help me stand and collect the money from the bank. Help, help um, us I have, stand? Do we need yeah. to... Where is she? Are we going to have to go down there and sort of hold her up? Well, she says, she says I have 7.2 million US dollars to fund orphanages. That's a lot of orphanages. Um, that is. Uh, so um, all, you, all we need to do is send her... Of a bank account details, <laughs> and she'll take care of the rest. Oh, that's very nice of her, <laughs> eh? Isn't that great? Look at seven point two mil. Yeah, I mean, but for the orphans, eh? Because otherwise, you probably wouldn't say yes because it's just greed. Yeah, just greed. Well, but but for the kids, 
yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put I'll put your bank details down for that one, Dave. Um, yeah, so yeah. You know what? Out. Actually, Matt, that's really lovely of you because you know I've been looking for an opportunity to get into using fake money to help orphans. That's that's yeah. really an area that I'm 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 excited about being in, and I, obviously I'm one of God's chosen. So um, yeah. Hey, well, I'm not for- a one of. I'm God's chosen, apparently, according to that email. Yeah. Well, thanks very much to uh, Nicole Benoit Mario. Um, thanks for thanks for getting in touch. Uh, any thoughts you've got on the actual Game of Thrones next time? Um, <laughs> beyond sort of stuff about, I don't know if she can give us any pointers about the how she would have fared with the Iron Bank of Bravos. Maybe she should have invested her money there. Yeah, yeah. She might have been a bit had a bit more luck getting hold of it. Yeah, well, and they're not going to let anybody's family plunder it from anybody, are they? No, exactly. No fools exactly. they. Iron Bank, that's the way to go. But yeah, um, if you've got any similar emails, anything um, from, goodness me, we prefer stuff, uh, I'll be honest, we prefer stuff about Game of Thrones, but um, <laughs> alligator updates are also welcome, and of course, um, any offers you may have for us um, from around the world, especially if they involve um, upwards of 7.2 million US dollars uh, being deposited into our bank accounts. Uh, so the email address to send your feedback to is sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com. That's sharkliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can get us on Twitter at sharkliveroyal. Um, we're trying to do a bit more on Twitter these days. So um, it's worth a follow. Um, we, we sent a few little bits and pieces out this week and we'll be doing the same next week. But yeah, at sharkliveroyal is where you can get us there. Well... It's time for us to enter Matt's bunker full of spoilers. So if you Yay! don't want, yeah, if you don't want to hear about any of the subs, subs, some some better than others fan theories that are surrounding future books, then uh, this is where you leave us for this week. But if you wish to continue in, and you don't have any qualms about spoilers, join us after the music as we enter Matt's bunker full of spoilers. That, of course, is the sound of me opening up the bunker full of spoilers. And Dave, are you ready for this? It's terrifying, Matt. I, sh- I quake with, with fear before yeah. the open, gaping yeah. portal. Yeah, the- Shake- shaking like a shitting dog. I- <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding reference. Um, well, well done indeed. <laughs> okay, so we still have a good few rows of well-stocked shelves here in the bunker full of spoilers. Each, of course, with a um, with a name, with a title, each box, each theory. So I shall give you a rundown. So we had last last week we had Horny Tywin and Varys is a mermaid. So those those boxes lie discarded on the floor now, along with R plus L equals J, which leaves you with maybe choose two of these this week. All right. Jojen Paste, The Rat King, right. Sons of the ID, right. Loose is Loose, Clegane Bowl, Cool Benjin. I think we should probably do Cool Benjin this week because yeah, yeah, um, we should. Yeah. You can probably guess what that is. Yeah. Um, who are you? 
and riding the dragon. Shall we do cool? Actually, pick another one. Then we'll do cool Benjamin after that. Right. Well, let's let's do um, let's do who are you? Because we've had some Aria stuff this week. Ah, you see, this is this is where I've cleverly swerved and sort of tempted you down a. Incorrect, oh, Ali. You know, this isn't a flipping. Uh, this isn't about another character I despise. One of the many other characters that I despise. It's about one of your favourites. Uh, it's Dariona Harris. Oh, oh, all right, fair. With it, all right. You're gonna have to explain that title, Matt. By the way, also horny Tywin. Not about Tywin being horny. Threw me no, well no, no. for a loop there. No, 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 no. The horny Tywin was because it was about uh, Tywin having the horns placed on his head because someone had been sleeping with his wife. Oh, all right, okay, fair you enough. See? You see, fair I'm enough. always thinking, Dave, I'm always thinking <laughs> Don't worry about that. Sorry, um, all right, okay, all right. Okay, yeah. so the, 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 the thing, the, the who are you is who is Dario. <laughs> That's rubbish. That, 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 is, that, that is, is less rubbish. <laughs> that is less good as a title, I'll give you that. Um, yes, yes but it yeah. is. So basically, there's a lot of theories around Dario, as in claiming that Dario isn't Dario. He's somebody else in disguise. We know how right. George Martin likes to do this. Yeah. Um, so one of the theories is that he, he was actually, he's actually Benjamin Stark, um, which holds a bit more water before this episode. <laughs> yeah. It is now basically a wrecked hulk of a once, once mighty vessel, isn't it? Yeah, so um, so the idea being that um, Benjamin was missing north of the wall. We didn't see him since. Maybe he's gone over across the narrow sea. That's to, uh, that's a, that is some fairly that's fairly conjectural, isn't it? That's fairly heroic conjecture. It's a stretch, isn't it? That one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the the idea is that he's he's sort of crossed the narrow sea and he's he's working to sort of help Daenerys. For some reason, I mean it, that's pretty weak, isn't it? Um, the other uh, options are, yeah. Uh, hang on, let me just bring it up. Uh, Jake and Hagar is Jake and Hagar Dariana Harris, but he's in two different scenes at two different points. <clears throat> well, again, this is this is book only. This is in the he, book. This is in the book. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. Um, possibly, but why would he be? So it's. Um, I suppose this builds on the Max's uh, theory last week with the. Sort of bravosi and faceless men making oh, a move. I tell you what, actually, I did think of that this week, and I like so I I, I realised that I dismissed that, and I still think it's it's a little bit. If it is that, then I think George has spent too long in different parts of the story. But the moment this this week when I saw that thing where they they have the Titan of Bravos with his broken mm. sword. And every episode since Bravos became a thing, he's done that thing and he, he kind of raises this broken sword with this almost defiant clank and looks out over the narrow sea. And I've thought, I thought yesterday, I was like, oh, that's an idiot. What if that's epic foreshadowing of all mm. of this is about Bravos trying to take over Westeros? Yeah. Um, yeah. So may, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm um, on board with that. I mean, it makes sense that, you know, he's a, he's a face changer, so he could easily yeah. disguise himself as somebody else. In the books, Dario is very um, sort of, I don't know, uh, elaborately dressed and is, is sort of very strange looking. And I suppose that kind of fits in with what the faceless men like to do as well. Um, and yeah, in terms of motive, it's it's the one area where they don't really have a, any influence at the moment, isn't it? 
because obviously you've got the the sort of iron bank if you count them as part of bravos you've got the faceless men training up Arya, making their move you've got their what's going on over in old time but of course if dario if jake and hagar's dario then he can't be in old town as well unless yeah. there are two of them yes um, that's so, true yeah i mean yeah, of, so of course there's always the chance as well because we know so little about the faceless men that there could be a number of Jake and Hagar's. It could be one of those kind of things. Uh, yeah, well, I, you know, in a TV series, in, a, in a, a story universe that needs five different types of zombie, never say mm. never about anything, really, eh? Mm. Mm. So that's a possibility. And the other the other suggested person who could be hiding out as this Dario Naharis is Euron Crow's eye. Um, the idea oh, yeah. being that um, he's obviously well known for... Um, ranging far and wide and exploring these strange distant lands it's the kind of thing he'd be interested in it's the kind of person he'd be interested in finding out more about and also his his dis- Dario's disappearance and sort of capture do you know when when he's sort of packed off as a hostage yeah I think vaguely vaguely corresponds to when he turns up on the Iron Islands or there's some kind oh. oh no, no actually no it's not the hostage bit it's the bit where he's sent off to go like after the landmen and all this jazz and yeah. he disappears for ages and it's just enough time for him possibly to go to the Iron Islands and then come back um, again this is yeah. this is kind of scotched by the series because that this, this just isn't obviously clearly it doesn't happen in the series yeah I'll be honest with you Dave all three of these I think are probably absolutely rubbish <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, but, I, I don't like that I become the Fox Mulder of this relationship now. You're, <laughs> you're just sitting there, you're being Gillian Anderson, just being like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but having said that, you know, this is a theory um, and therefore merited some discussion. I don't know. Do you think there's any, there could be anything in the idea that Dario is actually somebody else in disguise? We've seen that George Martin does like to do these weird little disguise switcheroos quite a lot. Yeah, that's true. He does like to do those. And, uh, I mean, at this point, to be honest, I'm just along for the ride. Like, I'm just, I'm experiencing such a sugar rush from from flipping cold hands appearing in the TV series and Arya (laughs) starting to do something. Right now, he could literally do the thing where somebody looks out of the window one day and just goes, aliens! And I'd be with it. I'd be with him. It'll be fine. You were like, bring it on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shall we do Cool Benjamin next? Let's do Cool Benjamin. Cool Ladies Benjen. love Cool Benjamin. <laughs> Ladies love. Okay, so yeah, this is um, this is a, a fairly a fairly obvious one, and now given a lot more heft by the what's happened in this week's episode. But the idea that Benjamin Stark is Cold Hands. Now it looks like that is the case in the series, um, mm. or whatever version of Cold Hands they're going to do in the series. In the books, like I said earlier on in the in the main cast, this is difficult because there's a lot of talk about Cold Hands in terms of how his sort of memories of the past and the fact that he's thousands of years old, and also this um, this thing that would Bran really not recognise his own uncle, who he's known very very well for years and years, um, even if he does have a bit of a hood on. What do you think? Well, has he known him really well? I mean, I, I mean, Brand's—he's in all sorts of spaced-out sort of minds when he when he 
when he's been green seeing for a start. And now he's now he's not only green seeing, but he's sort of you know wirelessly downloading the entire history of the world. Um, it yeah. wouldn't surprise me if he was a little bit sort of disoriented. Um, but um, sorry, you mean in the books, don't you? Not in the TV series, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the TV, sorry, TV sorry. series, obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. is, no, is... No, no, no. yeah, yeah. He's just there, yeah. Um, um, oh, I don't know. It's difficult to say, isn't it? Because I can't really see how realistic it is or how how crazy it is. Although I, I, I don't think it's necessarily true that he knows Benjamin really well. Like he knows he's his uncle, but he's in the Night's Watch. Like, when's he allowed to go? When's he allowed to leave and go back down to Winterfell for a bit of a break? You know yeah. what I mean? So he clearly knows him. So clearly that's been allowed to happen at some point because Benjen is is noble or whatever. Um, mm. Or maybe they've been up to the wall. I don't know. But um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's believable that mm. um, that he could see him and not recognize him out of context. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's. Um, I mean, in the in the series as well, in the t- in the books, Cold Hands has bright blue eyes. Um, obviously, as a so he's sort of a semi. He's a he's a white, isn't he? But being controlled, um, whereas <clears throat> it's quite interesting that Benjamin in the series is he still sort of looks obviously looks it looks worse for wear, but he's not got these bright blue eyes that the whites have. So it, yeah. they did actually stop his the the whole the whole sort of theory around and like law around Benjamin in the series and Cold Hands in the book is different as well, isn't it? Because the books the idea is that. He is a white, and he's being controlled by the three-eyed crow. Yeah. In yeah, the series, right. Whereas, yeah. this weird little jiggery-pokery happened where they managed to stop him becoming a white. Yeah. So, kind of, kind of. Well, apparently, the, the, apparently, the key quote for this, um, it's too old to be Benjamin, is that you know the leaf, the children of the forest uh, character, says yeah. they killed him a long time ago, and that two years isn't really a long time ago. Yeah, but, yeah, that's true. Yes, yes, that's true. This whole thing about Benjamin coming back, I mean, I'm kind of disappointed because, again, it's, just an, it, well, it's, it's another character resurrection, and I'm kind of like... Oh, it, uh, I, I get the feeling that by the time the series is over, I'll watch series one again, and I'll be like, oh, he's not really dead. He's not really dead. She's yeah, really dead. that's true. You know, I'm, I'm just waiting yeah. for Ned Stark to get his head stitched back on and come back at this stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but, you'd um, love that though, only for the fact that that's the only piece of popular fiction that Sean Bean survives. But um, <laughs> no, I, actually, that's a really solid point. Actually, and that's kind of I've been thinking this week. I wonder if one day I will be interested to go back and watch all this through all the way through again, and sort mm. of you know, now that I can trust the arc, because my whole thing, my whole frustration is that we've been reading this during the long second act of A Song of Ice and Fire, which has been really, really frustratingly drawn out. Mm. Um, so I was thinking, oh, you know, it'd be interesting to go back into it now that I know it is actually a three-act story, or it seems to be. I'll count my mm. chickens before they've been killed. But um, mm. uh, but I, actually, I think you're probably onto something there. Like So many characters, I'll just be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 carry on. Yeah, no worries, yeah. Yeah, no worries, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'll just be completely disengaged, which would be really sad, I think, because I think it's a really well-made TV series, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see. But that, that's the that's the cool Benjamin theory anyway. So um th- there are there are two for this week. Cool Benjamin and who are you? So I'll knock those off. <laughs> that means that was for... rubbish. Can am I to assume that the rest of the names are also as tenuously connected to the character they apparently have to do with? <laughs> is Roos actually about uh, yeah. a rooster somewhere? 
<laughs> some are better than others i'll give you that but i think to be honest um looking at what we've got left we've got rat king Roose is loose jojen pace dragon riders sons of the id I got, i'll give you i'll tell you that one isn't particularly the best title in the world and nice. clegane bowl um i think those two we've just done are probably the weakest of the of the lot so um there will be if, you, if, you, if you'd listened into the spoiler section and thought, geez, that was shit. Um, <laughs> there are better theories coming up over the next few weeks. But um, but yeah, you know, cool cool Benjamin and uh, who is really Dario Naharis. There are uh, a two for this week. Yeah. Until next week, Dave. Until I think next this week, is Matt. about all we've got time for. We've been running a, an hour and a half. Um, but and um, half, yeah. as, as we said, yeah, if you've got your own fun theory, if you want to save us from my... Um, carefully gleaned theories um, <laughs> that uh, have let's be honest questionable legitimacy then do send your own theories through to sharkliverallpodcast at gmo.com that's sharkliverallpodcast at gmo.com uh, you can also get us on twitter at sharkliveroil until next time until next time Matt bye 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 bye, bye. laters